Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Conversations on Care, a Facebook talk show bringing together service providers, clients, and caregivers to help families better understand and cope with aging parents with chronic care needs. My name is Julie Collada and I'm the founder of Open Arms, a senior care agency serving the Chicagoland area, specializing in inspired holistic dementia care. It is our mission to help you and your family through this journey and to know that your loved one is living their best life possible. If you find these dialogues helpful, please do give us a like and a share so that we can share and reach more people that have the can be helped with this information. If you have questions or topics you'd like to see to learn more about, please do write them down in the comments section and we will absolutely do our best to get them in a, in a future show. The topic today is how to navigate the dementia care journey. With me today is Sue Ryan, author, speaker, storyteller, educator, professional coach and mentor. Sue, it's so great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Julie. I'm really glad to be here and I appreciate the opportunity to share my tips and strategies and experiences with, with your um, caregivers and anybody else who is uh, on with us today and in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I have a feeling we're gonna wanna share this to so many people. Um, that are gonna get so much out of this. Um, and I wanna thank, uh, you and I got connected by two special people that I wanna acknowledge. Um, we were connected by these women that we both, I think, truly love and admire. We were just talking about Mickey Williams. Yep. Um, who has been a big inspiration to me along the years. Also a speaker, coach, mentor, does so many things. And then Carly Marcel, who herself is a incredibly talented entrepreneur. Um, so those two put us together and I'm gonna be grateful. I have a feeling uh, for a long time for, for that connection. I agree. Um, so, you know, when Carly first shared your story, I knew immediately we had some things in common. And um, when I, you know, went through your book, um, it just it immediately inspired me uh, by your journey and really how you turned that incredibly emotional, difficult journey into a gift that you're now sharing with others. I mean, that's what a special thing that is. And, um, you know, I'd like to read the dedication to your book, the book, this book called Five Steps to navigate your caregiving journey um, because I think it puts this in perspective. And here is the dedication that you wrote. This book is dedicated to my daddy, Harold Francis Armstrong and my husband, John Michael Ryan, the two men I cherish and adore, whose life journeys include their diagnosis of types of dementia. Your journeys inspire me to become my very best and challenge me to support creating the best experiences for everyone I possibly can. Thank you, God, for allowing my life to be blessed by these two such incredible men. I think for me that is, um, says 
it says it all, at least, you know, from my perspective, in terms of the, the heart behind what you're doing here and why you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. I truly do see it as a journey of love. I've never said, why me? I've said, thank you, God, for this being part of my experience, because there's something for me to learn in it, and I'll be, be a better person for it. And if I can positively touch the lives of others while I'm doing it, that's the cherry on top of the Sunday. Yeah, that's that's really very uh, very special. You know, it's not that's a that's a you've, it's a gift that you have because a lot of people can't turn those kinds of things around. So I admire you so much for it. So let's start. Let's start. Ask. Let's have. Let's let's have a good you know conversation about this to help help the folks that are listening. Um, first of all, there's so many things I want to ask you, but let's start with. You know, most people don't use the word positive when they're talking about caregiving. Yes. You you call yourself a positive caregiving mentor and talk about positivity, na positively navigating roles of caregiving. So tell us more about that. Why do you use the word positive? What I've learned in my life for me is that I have a choice every day at, with how I view the world. Positive doesn't mean that I am Pollyanna or that I am, you know, I'm, I'm putting my blinders over or that I'm looking at the world like they say through rose colored glasses. What it means is that I choose to look at, at each experience that we have as an opportunity for us to gain something from it. And if I can look at it from a positive perspective, when we're positive, we're more open. When we're negative, we're more closed down. Uh, I, I choose to embrace the perspective of other people who have traveled before me or who are traveling with me. I choose to learn from others. And so when I stay positive, I can stay open to that. And that's just a choice. And I realize that there are people who don't have access to that as a choice in their lives. And I have all the respect in the world for that being their path. My path is to be open and to look at it from a positive perspective. And it helps me to make wise choices in great times and in the most challenging times. Yeah, that's terrific. And I, I really can appreciate that very much. Um, you know, I, I can appreciate that because certainly for a lot of us in this last year in the pandemic, you know, many of us are, are, are um, going through the most challenging times of our lives. Um, and, you know, I, I certainly absolutely respect that you can learn a lot from this journey if you allow yourself to have that right perspective. But it's not easy. But I, I really I mean, respect that. It's yeah, and, and that's well said. I mean, there is the opportunity for that. And one of the things I've also learned, each one of us is naturally wired different. We have differently. We have different personalities. And so it is easier for some people to 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 embrace a positive perspective than it is naturally for others. And so as I talk with people, I also have them, you know, explore their own personality, their own natural way of viewing the world. And for those who find it more challenging, there are opportunities for them to, to be able to kind of open that up and to, to gain a more positive perspective and to, to, to have it kind of go alongside with their natural way of viewing the world. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. So, Tell me, I mean, you, we've talked. We talked a little bit before, Anna, and you talked about this in your book. You break down caregiving into a variety of roles. Yes. Tell us more about that. Why do you do that? And just describe that a little bit. 
One of the things I learned in the caregiving journey is that aspects of other areas of my life, lessons I'd learned from that have really helped me become a better caregiver, just as things I've learned in caregiving helped me better in other roles. When I first became a caregiver, the person I was giving care for had a diagnosis. So they became someone with a diagnosis and I became a caregiver. And it was just this, you're a caregiver. So it was this all encompassing thing. It, it didn't say, now these are the different things and check and see what you should be good at or anything like that. And what I recognized is, you know, I hadn't gone to school to be a caregiver. I'd gone to school for business and accounting and finance and, and technology, and I was doing those things. And yet now my responsibilities were of things that were not naturally in things that I focused on. What I had learned in business, however, is when you have a project, you have a team of people you're working with and you break that project down into small manageable parts and you find the team member who's most qualified for a particular part and that's their responsibility. The team leader, whoever is over the team, stays involved with that, but they don't try to do everything, especially if they're not qualified for it. What I learned was very important for me is that, that when I, for example, with my husband, when he was first diagnosed, it was easy for me to be the primary caregiver. The, re the requirements of our journey together at that time were not as significant. As his health changed, I needed different levels of care, some that I was not qualified to give. Because I was able to break it down from primary caregiver to care partner with someone else who has an expertise that I don't have, to care supporter, supporting those who are more qualified where I'm not. And I can give some examples of those. It allowed me to stay focused in the areas that I'm most capable of providing the right support for and not be overwhelmed by trying to do all the other things, especially those things that I'm not qualified for. And there are different ways to get that kind of support, but it allows you to give yourself permission to do what you are best at and seek support in the areas where you're not and not be expected to be all things in all situations. Sure. That's, um, that's so important. And can you, can you just, and I'm thinking of some people right now that I know that are personally um, uh, someone who's very close to me, who's just had to put her husband of 52 years, uh, made the decision that it was best for him mm -hmm. to put him in a mem memory care community. Very tough for her, very emotional. And, you know, there's a lot that comes with that. So in that role, and when you talk about the different roles, mm -hmm. what give, give an example of some of those different roles and how, for example, this 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 person that I care about so much, um, what roles is she going to have to think about that 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 are going to be helpful for her um, as she is transitioning from being a wife and a partner to a caregiver who now is going to be relying on other professionals sure. for her husband. Sure. And just to set the where we are, my husband is in the, the later stages of Alzheimer's right now. He's in a memory care community. He's now in a skilled nursing community because he doesn't, he no longer gets up and he's now under hospice care. And so those are multiple dynamics of people who provide care for him. When, when I was able to be his primary caregiver and make all of the different choices for his care, and I was able to physically care for him, I stayed as his primary caregiver. I then, because one of the things that's very important to me is also self-care. It's easy to lose 
uh, ourselves. And I found myself doing that. And so one of the things I needed to do was to find someone who could complement what I was doing so I could still have time to have self-care. So I would be, I would, I would be myself when I needed to be there for my husband. And so I call that a care partner. Now there are different roles of care partners. Now one of the care partners um, are the hospice team. They're also looking at my husband through their lens. So it's other people who are looking at the lens through their expertise. So it's, there's an ebb and flow. There, there are different changes in what the responsibilities are. I'm Jack's primary caregiver in, um, in, in the financial decisions and some of the legal decisions still. And yet when it gets to his health care and his, the food that he's eating and who's managing the medications, there are people much more qualified to know exactly what he needs. And so I have conversations with them as a partner to make sure that we're giving him the right um, environment to be the two goals I've always had for him since he was diagnosed, safe and happy. And everybody knows that. And so I'm a care partner. Now, there are other people where I'm a care supporter. They're taking the primary role, the certified nursing assistants, the nurses, they're the primary caregivers day in and day out for my husband. <clears throat> and so I'm a supporter of them. What is it that I can do to make their environment the best? For example, during the, the lockdown, which was most of a year, um, every single week, I wrote, I wrote notes on a daily basis at the care community, whether it was to the maintenance team or the housekeeping team or the nurses or the, the uh, food service teams, supporting them, telling them I appreciated what they're doing. Every single week I sent in food or treats and a card into the community he was in. So I was supporting them in their role. I was respecting what they're going through. And so I looked at the roles that I could. So I'm like the project leader for Jack, but there are areas where I recognize I'm not the best person. So I get put myself in a position to help them be in the best position to do their role and take their responsibility for what they're doing. And then I recognize and support and honor that. Yeah, so that's just terrific. I think it's such important information for family members that are um, listening and watching. I will tell you that um, when my mom was first diagnosed, which was the inspiration be behind my starting open arms, but and that was she was she was diagnosed with a mixed dementia, and um, the thing that it was very difficult, you know. For me personally, at that time, and I know for my siblings too, but I can really more speak for myself, there's a lot of guilt. There was a lot of worry. Um, and then, so at that point, I wasn't as positive as you're describing. And I, and I, you know, we face this with a lot of our families that we help and support. Um, there's a lot of strong desire to make it right for our parent and to make our loved one, spouse. And um, sometimes it's very hard to really let go and let others, and I, I really appreciate what you're saying. I wish I had your wisdom in 2006, uh, because I think somehow, sometimes how I, I could have done a better job, quite frankly, with our care partners in their roles and supporting them. I didn't understand the disease at that point. And so I was in a situation where I find a lot of our families where they don't understand dementia and they don't understand some of the physical changes and the things that are going on in the brain. So that we, at that point, because I didn't understand the disease and I was feeling a lot of guilt that I couldn't figure this out without additional help. 
um, that I feel like sometimes I wasn't as much of a help and support to my care to my mom's care partners. You are you are the perfect example of what a lot of people are, and they use labels like guilt and worry and sorry in a way that doesn't necessarily serve the right emotion for the experience and support right. them having the best outcome. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. And so when we, so now 13 years in this journey and helping hundreds of families and working with professionals, incredible professionals um, in the field, um, you know, one of the things that, I'm, that really inspires me and inspired us to create our dementia program, Embraced by Open Arms, is really kind of my experience and really wanting families to have much more confidence in their care team and much more information about the disease. Um, because if you have information, it, it really, you know, what the disease process and why this is happening to mom and dad and why does, you know, why do they keep asking me the same questions every couple of minutes and, you know, why are you suggesting the caregiver help in this way? Um, when they have information, it's much easier for families to cope and to understand and to be a better support to the professional care teams. So I really um, appreciate what you're saying very much. And Scott Tolan is, uh, I'm very, you know, he's our, in our uh, at Open Arms, we have a memory care director. Scott has incredible experience. And part of the program that Scott has is education for families. And so it, it, uh, we find that that's just a, a really key component to um, providing the kind of holistic care that's needed. So let me, uh, let me make sure, because I knew this time was going to go way too fast. Um, you may have already answered this in response to, to my experience, but you're, you know, why is it important not to use labels yeah. in the caregiving journey? You, you gave the perfect example, and I will help you with the answer. One of the things that, now I'm, I'm not saying labels are bad. There, there are times when labels are really phenomenal. It's when we've created the label because we know what the word means for us. And one of the things I have found is words like guilt, worry, and sorry. We have learned how to use those. Other people have passed down their definitions. It's like playing telephone. By the time it gets to you, it's like, what? <clears throat> so we haven't clarified what that means for us. When we don't clarify what a label means for us and use something that's the right word for us, we miss the opportunity to have the correct emotional experience for what's going on. The other thing that happens is when you have a label, you say, I feel guilty. And then you put a period after that. You stop instead of going on and really exploring what it is. So I'll give a quick example of both. I have a friend who was diagnosed with cancer. The thing that many people are saying is, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, sorry, if you look it up in the dictionary, sorry is you're apologizing for something you have responsibility for. Mm -hmm. We did not cause his cancer. So what I said is, I hear what you're saying. I'm sure this is a challenging journey for you. Help me understand how I can support you. What are the things that you're going through? How can I be part of your experience? Where can I help you? And so what I did is I had the opportunity. I had the empathy for him and the journey he was going through. I wanted to understand it from his perspective. I didn't want to put a period and say, I'm sorry. And then I've checked off the box that I reacted and move on to the next thing. So we were able to engage in a conversation and now we have really good dialogue. The other part 
is that when you when you don't use the correct label, especially let's say it's a person of authority. Um, there was a doctor who came to see Jack and I met with her beforehand. And she's got like 25 years of experience and she's got all these certifications. And she said that horrible, dreadful, debilitating disease. And that was in the first two minutes of her conversation. She is a person of authority. I could have taken on her label and that would have been the lens through which I saw the disease. And yet I said, this does not resonate with me. This does not seem right to me. I want to get my own definition for it. I want to understand it for myself. And because of that, I can see the absolute beauty in some of the moments where otherwise you would say, oh, well, look what that person doesn't have access to. But then you can see a teeny tiny movement when somebody's listening to music and it can bring you great joy. And it can also allow you to recognize exactly what's going on as opposed to just seeing it through the lens of a label. That's wonderful. Um, you know, I think that that goes to, and we have we have questions piling up here, so I'm oh, torn because okay. there's because there's topics I want to make sure we cover, um, but I also want to make sure we we get to some of these questions. So I'll stay as long as you want. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, there's a, a viewer question here. Were you ever discouraged? when your husband's care got beyond what you could handle? No. How did you handle those challenges? What I looked for is I look for any place where I get a, a nudge, any place where there's a point of resistance for me, any place where something is challenging. I look at that as a, as a, a warning, a hint, a suggestion for me to get additional support because I'm getting outside my comfort zone. And so every time there was something that I didn't feel I was the best qualified to do anymore, I said, okay, let me try to find the resources. My husband is a larger gentleman than I am, and I'm strong, but I'm not strong enough to lift him if he falls. And if he gets into what I used to call a dementia moment, and he doesn't have clarity about what he's doing, I'm not strong enough to protect myself. And so when there come those times, I didn't have any emotions of, gee, I should be able to do this. I realized that I was not qualified and I was not capable of keeping him safe and happy. And so I reached out and got advice on what were, we have a place called the Alzheimer's Support Network down here, spectacularly phenomenal people like your team who have, have journeyed this before and had suggestions. And then I went and I got that kind of support. And, and part of what that does is it allows me to stay balanced in that. If I was overwhelmed because I'm taking care of everything, if I felt I should be able to do this, I couldn't see exactly what he needed, I would be looking at it but through the lens of what I should be able to do. And I don't have any of that. That's wonderful. That's really wonderful. You it's know, also I, for his best, and I apologize, one last real point. It's sure. also for his best thing. It's it's not selfish for me. It's it's what is he what is it best for him? And 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 I I don't want to I don't want to try to prove to anybody or to myself that I can do something I'm not qualified for and I might not even be safe for. It. That doesn't help him be in his best position. So sorry about that. No, I'm glad. Thank you for adding that. Um, so viewer question, and there are just there, there's several of them. I let me just how did you use your business background to assess the care needed for your husband? One of the things I learned in business, and that's a great question. 
when you have uh, uh, an activity that you're working on, when you have a project, you break it down into manageable pieces. You keep breaking it down until there are no points of resistance. So I would break things down into smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller pieces. And then I would look, where am I most qualified? Where am I most passionate? What are the things where I want to learn how to do it and I, and I, I, I believe I can do it? Where do I need support? And by doing that, it took me out of the, the equation. There's not an ego. I don't need to prove myself to anybody. But I, I want to focus on the things where I can do the best job of this being successful and then bring in other people who have other areas of expertise and allow them to shine as well so then all of us shine better. So in the roles of dementia care, as the disease progressed, there were times where uh, for example, Hurricane Irma came right down our street in 2017. Mm. And I mean, it literally did. And one of the things that I recognized, I originally, you know, thought, well, I'll just keep, you know, I'll just keep him at home and we'll be good. And then I realized, no, I needed to get him evacuated because we were going to lose power and water. I couldn't keep him safe. We wouldn't be able to get out. And so I was going to have him evacuated and then I was going to stay. And then I recognized, no, when I kept breaking it down, I would be sending him with people who weren't qualified for his care. They loved him. It was his children. His children would love him, but not know how to give his care. So the right thing for me to do in that situation was to be responsible for his care, to evacuate. And I left the house, packed up the legal things, packed his stuff up and left and got out of there before it got close. We were about three days ahead of time. And so by breaking it, keep continuing to break it down and break it down and break it down, I could make wise choices for the best for his care and for those around who are supporting. That's, that's terrific. Um, you know, there's a, there's, there's another question here. I think a couple more questions, but I, I also want to ask, make sure that, cause this is a question I have. Um, you define in your book, something called massive acceptance and radical presence. Yes. Can you, where did that originate from? That originated with my dad and it originated from a, of less than positive experience in my roles of caregiving support with my dad. My daddy had the type of dementia. And when people have dementia, when they're ready to do something, they just go to do it. I was watching him one evening. I accepted the fact he had dementia. He said, it's time to walk the dog. And he stood up, put the collar on the dog and walked the dog. And to be respectful of time, I won't go through the entire story. However, I accepted the fact that he had dementia, but in my mind, I kept saying my dad, my whole life, he was keeping me safe. He was trying to protect me. So I was trying to do those things and get him to do what I wanted him to do based on what I knew in the past was keeping him safe. And that he had dementia. He wanted to walk the dog. That's all he could see. I wasn't staying radically fully present. I was so focused on, well, gee, if he falls and breaks his hip, what are we going to do? But they did it. So I was partially present. Bad experience. It all worked out. Everything was okay. Going home, I realized massive acceptance is I accept it 100% completely in its entirety. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to agree with it. And, and I don't have to like it. But I have to accept it. For me, this is me. I accept it completely. Now, when I am fully in acceptance, there's no story. I'm not the victim. There's nothing else. It's just complete. This is what it is right now radical presence means I am not thinking about it and projecting what might happen. I'm like, this is exactly what we have access to in this moment. I am so focused. What I would have done with my dad is said, all he has access to is walking the dog. 
What are the things that I can be doing to support him being able to do what he has access to in this moment? And so radical presence is staying fully, fully in the moment. When you do, you have the capacity to make wise choices, even in very critical and very serious situations. It also allows you to see the beauty. And there are so many points of beauty in, in our journeys. And, and if, we are, if we've accepted it, we have access to the beauty, just as we have access to the challenges and we know what to do. And we also aren't clouded by, I wish it wasn't this way, or why does it have to be this way, or why me? This is, there's an isness to it. This is what it is. And this is what we do. And I use that in all areas of my life now. I love that there's an isness to it. That's a great, uh, I, I don't know that I've heard that before, but I think that's terrific. You know, um, there are a lot of our caregivers I know that are watching right now, our professional caregiver team and the care coordinators that support them, supporting yeah. our families and just a lot of our team right now that are, are watching. As a spouse, mm -hmm. Well, you know, as an adult daughter and then as now a spouse yes. of your loved one with dementia, what kinds of things do you want to say to them that will help them? Well, what, what are the kinds of things that you want to know in terms of how they're caring for your loved one? Phenomenal question. And I like the way you started it. I like you giving both sides of it. So thank you very much for that. For anyone who is, I, I talked about caregiver with a capital C, those professionals who this is their the calling of their heart. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless your hearts. Agreed. I'm, agreed. A, I'm a caregiver with a small C. It's not my avocation. It's not my profession. The, the two sides of it as a caregiver, what I want to say to them is you are so phenomenally appreciated that what you go through day in and day out, the compassion, the empathy that you show to those who we love allows them to continue to be loved in their situation. And you meet them where they're at and give them what they need. And I know that it's exhausting and I know that it can be very, very frustrating. I've been part of those situations and I applaud you and I thank you and, uh, and, and blessings for you. And then on the other side of it, what I want from you is... I want A, to know what can I do to support you doing your job in the best way? What things can I tell you? What things can I share with you? What conversations would you like to have? What are the kinds of things that I can do to make it as easy as possible for my loved one to be the best possible resident who you are caring for? And then also when you're having challenges, I want you to feel open to be able to come to me and to talk to me and 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 to struggle and, and and if there is something that i'm not doing correctly i want you to come to me and and to ask me and to talk about it i don't want you to feel like it's not a two-way conversation i don't ever want you to feel like you are working for us you are part of a care team you are a valuable valuable part of a care team and without you we couldn't make it well said very well said thank you so much for that um, you know, it's 11 o'clock, a little bit afterwards. Um, and I know that, um, I just want to make sure of a couple things. I want to make sure that everyone and Dova, who's our mission control today, Dova, have you put up, um, information or can you about Sue's book? 
five steps to navigate the caregiving journey. And it's on Amazon. Is that correct? Yes, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. It's by Susan J. Ryan. Um, you also have an online course. Yes. That you've just started. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I did. In my conversations that I've had with people, I keep getting asked to do more of a deep dive in each of the five steps. And I also recognized that I really wanted people to understand how their personalities inform the way that they naturally are in the roles of caregiving. And so I put together a six week course. It's called Five Steps to Nav Positively Navigate Your Caregiving Journey. And the first week starts with the journey begins with you. So you understand your personality and your beliefs and, and how you're naturally wired uh, to help support you instead of have your emotions sabotage you in your roles of caregiving support. And then it takes a deeper dive into each of the five steps in the caregiving journey. That's wonderful. And how, does, how do people get access to that course? Um, they can go to my website and uh, it's Sue Ryan Solutions and I have a place they can sign up for or I, there, you guys may have a link that I, I provided, but I can, uh, uh, but yes, there's a, there's a, the, my, I might, if you go to my website, Oh, she, oh, she said she posted the link. Great. So our mission control. Mission control. Oh, thank Nova. you. Yes. But Sue Ryan Solutions, you'll find it. You'll find it as well. Or you can email me at Sue at Sue Ryan Solutions if you've ever got any questions or if you want more information on it. I'm glad to share that with you. Okay. Terrific. Thank you. I knew this time would go by way too fast and it did. And I know there's all these other questions I have and I'm sure, you know, everyone has. Thank you for what you do. Um, I think you, you live, you know, I'm sure you're going to be an inspiration for many people that are watching. I know you are for me. Um, and, um, really look forward to continuing our relationship and growing and learning from you and, uh, continue to be inspired by you. So thank you so much, Sue. It goes both ways. Thank you very much, Julia. Thank you to everybody who attended and, and please don't ever hesitate to re reach out if you've got questions. I'm glad to share anything I can because we're all in this together. Absolutely right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Take Thank care. You, Thank you, Doha. Bye now.